Hello, this is the Blast Report podcast on all things blasting. My name is Evan Tebow with New Wave Consulting, and I want to thank all the Drill and Blast teams along with those supporting them who are out there on the pattern. The production team at Blast Think and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of the Blast Report podcast. Well, Jay, it's nice to have you here on the podcast and kind of want to get an idea. You know, what is it, 34 years, 30 about 46 years in the business. 46 years. five years at the Wampum. In Wampum. Wow. And and so, you know, this name Wampum keeps coming up. Um, yeah, I used to work for a powder company and Wampum, the name would come up and, and uh, talking about, you know, a, a, a business that is, there's a lot of the, the big powder companies are, are, you know, running the show, I guess. And yeah. I, I, I kind of, your, your guys' name, continues to come up and i wanted to invite you on the show and talk a little bit about what's it like being from your side and and i kind of want to start out we'll introduce the audience introduce yourself and what we've been talking about is the origin story how did you get into into blasting needed a job needed a job yep 19 years old and needed a job so i got out of high school uh 75, graduated and, uh, on a Friday night. Uh, I was on a gas rig drilling for natural gas Sunday evening. They called it the morning tower. It was 11 till 7 a.m., seven days a week for like six months straight. Wow. And uh, In Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. And then had to pull a couple doubles probably once a week or twice a week. So 16-hour shifts with... Uh, and uh, then I got switched over to uh, daylight, and then in which May, is a nice that's yeah. a nice change. <laughs> yeah, in the May of '76, the gas business took a big downturn, and then I got laid off from there. And got a job as a plastering crew. I was 19 years old, and I stopped at the friends of ours had a local gas station, BP gas station. Well. At the time, a company called HL and AG Balsinger uh, just moved in a little town of Plumville, Pennsylvania. And the gentleman that ran the uh, gas station kept telling these guys from Balsinger, you gotta hire this kid, you gotta hire this kid. Well, I was only 19 and uh, wasn't able to do anything hazmat-wise. You gotta be 21. Mm-hmm. So uh, finally in August, they did hire me because they got a, a new Viking dewatering pickup. And I got to run that dewatering pickup on every wet shop in Pennsylvania. They tried to get me to. That's a lot of holes. That's a lot of lot of wet, muddy. Yes. Uh, yeah. So. And, and okay, so you so this is how you kind of started out in the industry, right? And um, just getting your feet wet, literally getting your feet wet, dewatering holes all the time. Yeah. And. Um, did you immediately take a liking to the blasting industry or was it kind of like you said, I just kind of needed a job? Yeah, I needed a job. It was intriguing. Uh, been uh, 
the traveling world was nice, but every day was something different. So mm -hmm. it wasn't you were stuck in one, you know, one position, one job, doing the same thing repetitiously. So uh, the rocks always changing, and yeah, the, the customers, the yeah. And then uh, back then there was a lot of small coal mining going on in Pennsylvania, small jobs plus big jobs. But uh, and after. Oh, about eight months, I was able to get a glasses license uh, back then, and they passed my test, but I still wasn't 21, so they had to hire somebody to drive the explosive truck, and then I would follow with my dewatering truck. As the blaster. Then I, then I was actually a blaster in uh, late, late uh, or early, excuse me, uh, 77, in the spring of 77. And, and so how did that stem into getting your foot in the door with, with wampum hardware? And, and, and I guess, can you give me some, a little bit of history in the, the evolution of, of this company and why it's kind of different than what a lot of the other, the industry's direction that the industry has kind of gone into? So my, my career was, I had six years with the HL and AP Ball Singers, a gentleman named Alex Senyals uh, owned it. And uh, we went different directions in the uh, the fall of '82, and in January of '83, uh, I started with a company called Angus Chemical. They were based out of Chicago, Illinois, but they had a couple magazine sites in in uh, Western PA. And uh, working with them for about a year, they got bought out by Independent Explosives, which at the time was from uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. So uh, that was in 83, and I worked with them until 88 when they got bought out by IRECO. IRECO and uh, Wampum Hardware established a joint venture in uh, 1987, a 50-50 joint venture. So in 88, when Independent was bought out, Wampum picked up the magazine locations that uh, Independent had in Western PA, so the bit fell under their wing. Uh, as far as the Wampum Hardware, Wampum Hardware has been in business since 1904. And in the little town called Wampum, PA, it's just outside of Newcastle, PA, on the Ohio border. They uh, had a hardware store, and up until the late 50s, like 56, 57, 58, um, you could actually go into the hardware store and buy your dynamite and your detonators. After that 58 era, uh, they made a move out of town. So they had a farmhouse out and they put magazines up. And that's where their storage became then. And then in the early 60s, they pretty much dropped the hammers and nails and closed the, the hardware downtown Wampum, PA. They should open it back up just for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, most of their, their work in the up until the 60s was mine delivery. So there was a lot of underground coal mining and a lot of underground limestone. So it was all delivery. They had their own blasters. Wampum had like five employees. And then in the 60s, they started getting into the drilling and blasting, small crews. And it's just rode uh, uh, over time. Jerry Davis is uh, the president of the company, uh, when he was 21 years old, his dad passed away of a sudden heart attack. So he had to grab the bull by the horns and 
he's been doing that ever since. At 21. Yeah, now he's 81. Uh, doing very, very well. And he's yes, very office. successful. Comes in the office every day when he's, uh, he's, he's a little bit seasonal in the winter in, in Florida. So <laughs> I don't blame him. Some sunshine, yeah. So it's, it's been a, uh, a lot of acquisitions, excuse me, they acquired a lot of uh, other um, di little distributorships throughout Ohio, uh, uh, Michigan. We have off the magazine site in Michigan. We have magazine site in Fort Wayne, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. A couple magazine sites in Ohio, one in Fairmont, West Virginia, and we have five operations in Pennsylvania. So we're spread out pretty, wow. pretty far. Yeah, that's... And and so, in your, you know, I know you're very heavily involved in the Pennsylvania, East, Eastern Pennsylvania chapter, right? Well, uh, and the the, yeah, the conferences that go on up there, right? So, the, I was on the board for many many years with the uh, Penn State Drilling and Blasting Conference. Hmm. There was about fifteen of us from all aspects of the business, regulators, and and uh, uh, others. Manufacturers, distributors. That's how I. That's how I met you originally. Was yeah. through through that conference, and yeah. and so when you, you know, as a, as being so involved with, um, a, a, being a distributor, I think it's kind of a unique perspective. Um, you, you know, you use product from from different companies, and right. and you you know does doesn't matter what logos on that on that price so can you kind of speak on on that is because a lot a lot of uh people in the industry you know they get access to only one type of product or they're only using one you know so there's quite a learning curve and a relationships that you have to have with with the whole industry right right so um early on uh, with our joint venture with dino nobel from 19 irico dino Dino nobel since uh, 1987 at least 80% of the product we buy has been usually, uh, you know, Dino Nobel. But if somebody's built a bigger, better mousetrap or whatever, like when early on when electronic detonators came out, uh, Dino wasn't up to speed with electronics. So we tried several products on the market and uh, we've been doing electronic detonators for 15, 16, 17 years. But they were from uh, other suppliers. Whatever the products are, uh, if our manufacturer can't get them readily available, we we go out and do what we have to do. Was there? A, did you have some some like learning store learning curves that that you've you've experienced that you're willing to share with us? I mean, uh, some people might call those mistakes. Yeah, mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, way back in the day, uh, before non-ls came out, uh, uh, Hercules had a, uh, a product. Uh, it was a gas uh, detonator system where you would uh, send gas through tubing, and uh, it was very unique. Uh, it was called the Hercadet back then, and. Um, Myself and a guy named Jeff Zyler uh, from Pennsylvania, we, we kind of took the bull by the horns that we were working exclusively with, with their research team and 
trying to make that product work. So some of the failures we've had at the, we're on the construction side when uh, you put a, a meter at the end of um, your your series of taps and you're looking for a oxygen level um, that would uh, make sure things fired at the right time. And uh, we're sitting there waiting on the flow and the flow and all of a sudden water came squirting out, which means it killed every detonator that it went through. So we had a we had a real wet shot and we had a bad connection that was siphoning water and we had a real mess with that one. And it pumped water through the entire initiation system. Well, let's just say a couple rows of initiation. So we ended up firing what we had, what, what, what was good, and then we had to sit there and work with the uh, excavator, uh, dig, digging through the muck pile, making sure we retrieved all the product. But, wow, was it the front rows? No, this was a construction job, and then it was a sewer plant, so it was a situation where you didn't have any uh, uh, relief or anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there was no danger of uh, anything uh, firing. Yes. Just had to get it dug up and retrieved. Obviously, the business end of the cap was still hot, but uh, as far as the timing series, uh, it was all uh, in our recovery water. Wow, I've never, I have never even heard of that or, yeah, you know, that's uh, a... Yeah, yeah it was a, you, you, you carried a tackle box with all different kind of plastic connections like you were a plumber, <laughs> you were a blaster. Someone did tell me that there's a difference between, uh, you know, working with explosives, there's a lot of risk involved and people think it's, you know, quite dangerous and I tell them, well, I, I'm no electrician, you know, yeah. electricians, that's invisible. And that, that, that'll kill you quick. And, but then someone said the difference between a plumber and electrician is that when a, um, when a plumber screws up, he just gets wet, you know, covered in shit. You're right. And so, you know, and so that's funny that you say you just end up walking around the blast pattern with, with all the plumbing equipment and plumbing yeah. tools. Yeah. Yeah. So we worked in that system a good while. Uh, that, that was in the AG, uh, uh HL and AG ball singer days. So that was, let's say, uh, an event that uh, people flew in from Hercules across the country trying, trying to figure out what happened. Obviously, it was a, a human error. Mm -hmm. Everybody blamed it on human error, no matter what, usually. So. That, that is something, I, you know, I, there is a bit of a stereotype there where the blast blasters quickly blame the powder companies and then the powder companies are quick to blame the blasters, you know, for, and. And then unfortunately the driller takes all the blame. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, you know, yeah. that, that is true. So is you, um, did you, um, I guess being able to choose different powders you know, inside of your contract and the way that the company's been built up, it gives you a little freedom to work with what product you need when you need it, right? Right. Is that, that's something that you, is there something there that you can speak on, on, on there? I mean, that's yeah. a really nice benefit because some people are kind of pigeonholed into only using the product from this one company or something right. like that. And you get a, a lot more freedom, I feel like. Yeah, no, uh, the Davis family at Wampum Hardware give, has given us the freedom all the time, if there's something better, there's something out there we want to try and experiment with. We're, we're, we're truly not afraid to try anything. We, we work uh, with Frank Giappetto a lot. 
Dobudenko from Vibrotech on some really unusual concepts. And they turned out very well. And, uh, uh, two milliseconds between holes, some crazy stuff like that. The, the, uh, the fragmentation is incredible, but you've got to have a right situation where you can detonate two milliseconds between 70 foot old, six and a half inch. And, uh, but we've always been able, to, uh, even on bidding on jobs, Jerry Davis has always, uh, been very open-minded. The farthest west we've gone is uh, Great Falls, Montana. We did a hydroelectric plant there back in like 2010. We spent nine months there and it was an absolute wonderful project with uh, Walsh Construction out of Chicago. So we were building a new hydroelectric dam on the uh, uh, Missouri River. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty good. A chance to go see Montana and... Yeah. Yeah, so four guys. Beautiful area. For nine months, and uh, they would go back in a heartbeat. So. That's, um, it is, okay, so when it comes down to, like, some of these projects that you've had, are you, have you had some a really amazing pro uh, project that just speaks to you out of your entire career so far that, you know, if you were to be asked on a podcast, what was one of the coolest projects you ever had? Is there one that you could, you know, you can think off the top of your head? Sure. It'd be hard to. No, yeah, that's uh, that project in Montana uh, is a once in a lifetime event, a very uh, nostalgic. We're right up against a existing uh, power plant, uh, hydro power plant that had eight turbines uh, spinning and that plant was built in the early 1900s uh, and actually uh, Westinghouse uh, had built those turbines for that power plant so our vibration you know, criteria was extremely low we were dealing with 0.25 and 0.5 uh, all the time overhead power lines uh, Winter conditions were sometimes extreme, uh, same as, as low as 32 below. Uh, thank God it was on a weekend. Uh, <laughs> on Monday, it was only 16 below. <laughs> uh, yes, that was a definitely a once-in-a-lifetime project. Uh, other projects, uh, my wife will vouch for that... Uh, uh, you're here too, you know. You're part of the you're part of the interview as well. <laughs> yeah, my wife uh, gets to listen to the, the phone phone calls in the evening. Talk about a lot of work, uh, job issues. I like bet. That. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure she could go out and run a blast off. Run company. a blasting company. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All, all the power to you there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a few years before the uh, Montana job, uh, we had a job in in Chicago for Walsh uh, on, the, on the 294 uh, toll road going around there. And we had a job at the uh, Raleigh Dorm International Airport. I would fly out on Wednesday morning and go to Raleigh. And uh, Friday afternoon, I would fly from Raleigh to Chicago because of all the traffic we could only blast on Saturdays and Sundays. So we, I would have the crew show up Friday night. We'd, blast uh, uh, and it was all uh, stick top powder for the job you weren't allowed to have anything for it so we do 600 cases on 
on uh, Saturday and we try to get 400 cases done on Sunday and then we would all go to the airport, fly back home on Monday. I would get home, uh, get some clothes washed and uh, mow my grass and leave again on Wednesday and that went on for like seven weeks between those two jobs and uh, at one time I told the wife that if I ever did anything out of the state, smack me in the head. <laughs> well, then, uh, like the next year, I, we got the job in Montana. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you get hit in the back of the head, or did uh, you get I, to go I, visit Montana as well? <laughs> I don't remember, but uh, it's not that it happened very often. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason you weren't allowed to have any pour, pourable explosives, was that because it's just security on, on the site that you were at? They wanted to make sure they could inventory everything? or No, it was a spec... The rock in that area was, was pretty porous and it was pretty uh, relatively soft, but it needed blasted. But uh, um, you, need, you needed to know exactly how many pounds you had in each hole. Mm -hmm. And that was the, the exact same way on that Montana job. It was no pumpables or no portable products. Uh, so the Chicago job was just 600 cases every weekend on Saturday, 400 on Sunday, and, and uh, Dino uh, didn't have a product in the area at the time, and we bought our uh, product off of Austin Power, and they came out of uh, Kankanee, Illinois, their magazine location there, delivered to us. Uh, Saturdays and Sundays only, and then the drillers would stay and drill during the week, so we had a lot of holes by the time on Saturday and Sunday got there. I, I bet. Now, would you say, so being being the independent um, distributor and everything, is there any, I don't know, final advice? You know, you you've you've think you could provide after your career in the industry. Is there something that you you've seen and you've noticed and you you want to? You know, you're given a platform. Here's a microphone. Is there something that you wish you could you could help people out today? I wish I knew this. Well, back when I, you know, when I was younger, or something like that. Well, I truly wish we'd had the uh, the uh, digital detonators uh, going from um, sequential blasting machines. That's what I was uh, weaned on. Uh, so it's all sequential timer, timer boards. You're running out wire and wire and wire, which some guys love because they pick all the wire up and spend the weekend burning the wire off. Or, <laughs> recycling. Yeah, recycling, getting pop money or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but the technology uh, is extremely exciting right now. I wish I had some of this technology back in the day. So taking advantage of this new technology yeah. and not being not being closed off to to all the new yeah. things that are coming out eyes wide open keep your eyes wide open don't be afraid to try anything uh you need a good background in it so we have a lot of guys that come uh, to the ISE the davises are uh, uh, very good about getting young glasses out and letting them mix with the crowd mm -hmm. all the vendors and i tell the guys before they get here uh, just make sure that there's people selling all kinds of stuff. And I tell them, uh, make sure they've got dirt in their boots. Hmm. You know, if they've not been out in the field, you've got to be a little leery what they're selling. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Everything is software based now, but uh, in our world, uh, the software side is fine, but we still got to get in the mud and, and get the holes in order. Mm-hmm. So if uh, some guy's trying to sell you something and uh, his shoes have never been dirty, I'd be leery. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, well, thank you very much for coming on and doing the show with us. I really appreciate you. And I'm sure I'll be seeing you at the next conference in Pennsylvania. And I think it's really admirable that you guys do bring, would you say you had 60 people out for dinner tonight is what you guys yeah. do. I mean, yeah. it's nice to bring that level of people here and not hide your employees, you know, let them go out, learn, meet people, you know, and they'll be, they'll be proud to come you know, and go back and work with Wampum, you know, it's, a, it's yeah. a point of pride. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there trying to hire them out from under you, you know, and they're, they're walking around with, you know, proud of who they're with. So sure. their wives get to come. So it's a, a treat because we run them hard during, during, during the summer. So uh, January, February at the IEC is all, always a not nice little break. And it's nice how the ISC moves around the country, mm-hmm. makes it more accessible for, for some. So. Well, thank you very much and, you know, be safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blast Report podcast. I want to thank the team at Blast Think for producing this show. And please follow along for more episodes in the future and share this podcast with your colleagues so we can continue to honor our industry and the people in it. Be safe and have a blast.